0: All right, it's time to do some deciding. Welcome to the GameSpeed Decides podcast. It's your weekly source for smart discussions about some pretty dumb stuff. Uh, I'm your host Jeffrey Grubb, and with me is GameSpeed Boss Jason Wilson. Uh, Jason, go ahead, say hi to everybody.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Jason Wilson, the managing editor of GameSpeed and the RPG nerd around here.
0: Thanks for joining me, Jason. Uh, Mike's off this week. Uh, we're gonna let him, you know, not have to come in and do this with me. Um, even though I think he should be. It would be working. have
1: been funny that we would have seen him try to do it from a line at Disney World.
0: Yeah, that'd be perfect. Everyone would have loved that. I
1: almost thought about making him do it.
0: I know, we really should have. He, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve to go to Disney World. All right. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about Final Fantasy XV, No Man's Sky and some sadder music for slow blockbuster game sales. And then Hearthstone is going to cap it off if we have time. Uh, I want to thank, thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we'll get started with all this in a moment. Uh, first, I want to let everyone know that you can always get more of us on gamesbeat.com. Um, you can email the podcast if you have questions, corrections, anything like that, at gamesplus, the plus sign, podcast VentureBeat.com. Uh, and finally, if you uh, like what you're listening to, Subscribe. Uh we're already on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you catch pods. If you have a service that you like to use and we're not on there, again use that email address, games pl- plus podcast Let me know and I'll get it on there. Um and
1: leave us a review. Um,
0: yeah, and and, and it, again, if you like I what you it. hear, go on iTunes, five-star review. Uh that really helps people find us and discover us. It's re- we really appreciate that. Um that's that's the spiel, Jason. Uh that's all over. I guess. You know, we should probably talk a little bit about about what we did this past week. Um, Did you have any good gaming things happen over Thanksgiving?
1: (laughs) Well, so Thanksgiving is a very whirlwind of a holiday for me because I have to travel um, a couple hours up to wine country and a couple hours back down to where I live in the Bay Area. So I don't really get to do much. When it comes to playing video games on Thanksgiving, around that, and then I have my children. And so, what video games came down to it was letting my six-year-old play Pokemon by himself with the 3DS, just sitting there on the couch with the four-year-old sitting next to him, and they caught a Scatterbug and were very excited because they had <laughs> seen a Scatterbug in the cartoon the day before.
0: Well, that's that's that synergy that Nintendo loves.
1: Oh yes, especially when it's you know an older series because they're still on X, Y. Oh, they are. Okay. And for myself, um, you know, I was just playing more Hearthstone and more Civ Six, but last night I got Final Fantasy XV.
0: And we so can talk about that now hardcore. a little bit. Do you have, uh, some, you have a some? I guess we can get into that like here in a <laughs> second, <laughs> but uh, a second no, I'm, yeah. I'm so first actual, of all, our a, review went up. Jace, do you have a headphones you could put on? I got a little bit of an echo when I was talking. Uh, While you're doing that, uh, let's see. So, yeah, our review for Final Fantasy 15 did go up. Um, Mike Minotti worked on that all weekend. So I guess he kind of deserves to go to Disney World a little bit. Um, he... Uh, he posted that. I, I He seems to really like it. We talked about it a little last week, and he, it's one of the games. He kind of hinted at he had it and he couldn't talk about it. He wasn't even supposed to mention that, but uh, we failed at that a little bit. But um, he seemed to really enjoy what he's been playing. Uh, gave it a 90 out of 100, I think, and said some really good things. He said it has some issues still, the game, but overall, he still really liked what he played a bit. Yeah. Um,
1: so I played about five hours yesterday. Wonderful. And till about midnight. And... I was taken by a few things. Um, First of all, there's a great song that plays right at the beginning of the game that surprised the heck out of me. Um, I don't want to spoil that moment for anybody. Um, Some people have already said it, and I know it's out there, but it was a surprising moment for me, one I really enjoyed. Uh, This Final Fantasy 15 is unlike any of the others, which to me, I really like. Um, The one constant in Final Fantasy, as Jason Sher noted in his review at Kotaku, and something I always try to hammer home to people, is that each Final Fantasy is different. They might have parts that link them. There might be themes that link all the games, but each one is different. And and, And this uh, one is completely different than any of the others that came before it.
0: And it's like completely different in a way that those Final Fantasy games were always different. So it's not just like uh, different for different sakes. It's like Square Enix really experimenting with their setting and everything, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this experiment is, um, is huge. You know, we, we've got a very modern looking world. You know, it's got some sci-fi in it. It's got some of the old West in it, um, especially your starting locations. And, it's got a very action heavy take on combat. You can set it up to be more turn-based. I haven't tried that option yet. I haven't talked to anyone who's done that option yet. So I don't know how well it works. I don't see it working very well based on what I've played so far, but who knows? Maybe it will. Well, I think that
0: we should probably just dive right into that to that first topic then. Um I think what we were gonna do was Final Fantasy first fifteen worth the wait, but you've only played five hours. Mike's not here, he wrote the review. So instead, since you have played five hours, I'm wondering: Is Final Fantasy 15 making a good first impression? Is it is I'm it making an excellent first impression? That that is, I think, something that I think a lot of people are going to be happy to hear. Um, I, I'm I've only played a little bit of Final Fantasy uh, overall over time. I almost finished six. I've tried a bunch of the other ones, never got into them, but I know a lot of people love this franchise. And there's been some concern because this game's taken a long time to make. They announced it first as Final Fantasy fifteen or thirteen versus, like eight nine years ago. Versus uh,
1: thirteen.
0: Yeah, versus thirteen. Yeah, God, and it was um, and that never really you know manifested until recently. Last couple of years, they're so like, okay, we're transitioning that, making it Final Fantasy fifteen. Um, and I always thought you know, okay, working on a game for a decade is always seems like a recipe for disaster, and. Final Fantasy XIII didn't wow a lot of people. Uh, a lot of fans seem pretty upset with that. And yet, now you're playing this, Mike seemed to really like it, and you are saying it's making a good first impression. What is it doing, specifically, that's kind of jumping out at you?
1: Well, okay, so let's boil it down to three things I really like so far. Number one is the setting. It uh, There's this total real-world feel to it as you're driving around in this really cool car. Big, black, fancy-looking thing. That looks like a cross between a Bentley and a Cadillac. It's called the Regalia, which is, and it's a sweet ride. I really like having this car almost be a member of your party. That's cool. You're looking around and you've got a diner. You've got a garage. You've got freaking mobile homes, people sitting there in their trailers. You, you've got, you know, everything looks like it's something that came out of the world. Yet, of course, it's not because it's in this morph fantastical setting I like the camaraderie that has come out from the characters so far um, you know even just five hours of running around this part of the the hinterlands so to speak you, you're already seeing that they have these four guys have this tag bond Doctus and his crew one that I really appreciate um, you know I mean I mean let's face it you know you know the guy and his merry band has been story that's been overtold. and did Final Fantasy have to tell that story no but they did and they're telling it and it's good so far because you actually feel the bond between these characters and it's not like they were just thrown together and he, one of the things that I did not like about Final Fantasy 13 and I was a fan of the game
0: right I will it, defend
1: it I like you're one game. of the ones that, that liked it quite a bit right yeah is that the characters don't feel like they have real bonds at all throughout the game. And you do feel those bonds back in 12. You feel those bonds in 10 and nine for sure. Um, Eight and seven, six, you know, yeah, it's, one of, the, it's one of those
0: things, the things I would associate with the series when, when I do dive into it, it is one of the things I notice is that the characters all do seem to play off each other really well and seem to have real relationships.
1: Yeah, well, these guys do have relationships. Uh, they're more than just the prince's friends and protectors. You know, okay, they're, they're you know they're his brothers, for lack of a better word.
0: And they established that really well in the early going. So you said there was three points. What was the third? The third one was it, so far we have the car and the friends. the, and- expor-
1: the exploration.
0: Okay,
1: I'm enjoying running around the land here now some people might get really tired of running from one place to the other some places you could drive and park your car yes you actually have to park it i really like that little detail uh and the car actually parks it goes into the parking space um do you have to like manually
0: park it like are you like using a it steering will park wheel itself but okay. you have to but still you have to do it. okay
1: one point um there's parts where um ignis will be driving one of the guys um but there's one point he lets you drive and I crashed the car up pretty damn well. I had to get it fixed. Yeah. My, my my oldest said, Daddy, your car's all scratched up. And then my youngest said, Daddy, you're a bad driver. <laughs> um, yeah, so my my kids are always building my self-esteem. Good job, boys. Um hey, they caught a
0: scatter bug. They're allowed to talk whatever they want.
1: Yeah, I guess they can talk about all the crap they want. Yeah. Um but I really like going around through this world. Uh, there's two things I liked about it. Um, number one, these all these points of interest pop up in your map like other open world games. It, it, it felt me it felt very much like The Elder Scrolls or The Witcher in that regard. Um, and, you know, you'll find things that you need. You'll find peppers for cooking. You'll find areas where you can harvest elemental magic to power your magic. Um, the other guys use weapons. You can use weapons or magic as Noctis. Uh, they kind of act like grenades. You throw the magic out and boom.
0: So I'm wondering then, is there anything that is bothering you then? Because it sounds like it's ex- exactly what you want from a Final Fantasy game right now.
1: Well, well, I don't know if it's what I want from a Final Fantasy. I'm enjoying what they've given me. Okay. Um, I'm having a hard time with the combat. Um, it's There's some combo-based. Stealth's very important. Um, my greys grades. It grades you on three things offense, defense, and stealth. And I've been getting A's and A pluses in offense, but I've been getting D's in stealth and in defense. Um you need to block, you need to parry, you need to step away from attacks, and you need to work as a team. There's team attacks you can use with your friends. And you got to use all those in construction and I'm having a hard time with all the buttons right now, but that's because I always have a hard time when I have to hit all these different buttons, you know, as somebody who doesn't play a lot of combo heavy games.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, is it closer to Bayonetta? Like, is it like, on the action no. game scale, like where does it land?
1: No, it's, it's below the Witcher three.
0: Okay. But that seems like, I mean, it's a long game. So it sounds like you have room for improvement uh, do you oh, think yeah. that, this, that this combat system is something that could sustain you throughout the, the entire game that you're going to be by the end? You're like, I've learned, I've gotten better, and I've appreciated that journey itself?
1: I think so. It depends on what weapon options you get, what spells you get. Right. Um, one of the things that I love is magic when I play games, and I always want to be the spellcaster. So if I get more opportunities to use magic instead of using a sword, I'll probably enjoy that more. Um, but that said, I don't let combat in my way from enjoying a role-playing game Mm -hmm. and so far i'm enjoying the story we're seeing here and i really enjoy the side quests um there's this one quest line i'm on with the hunters and they're hunting the big bad monsters that live in the world and this guy's sad because he failed to find a tag which are like dog tags for a hunter and you have to go find them and he always wants to make sure that you know the next kid knows when someone dies, and and that was a little affecting. That's
0: interesting. So, so you don't think Conan O'Brien's little thing hurt the game? That's something we talked about last week. His uh, his bit. Uh, me and Mike decided. Oh, I doubt it. We me and Mike said it probably didn't hurt it. It's. I mean, if if you I care about it. this game, you probably will still care about it. And now it's coming out, and it sounds like people are going to play it and be like, okay, no, this is still a very good game.
1: What was very interesting is. I can't remember the last time Final Fantasy was being advertised in an NFL game. And I saw advertisements for it this weekend watching yeah. football.
0: They're definitely going for that, that mainstream audience. And we'll move on to No Man's Sky here in a second, uh, that next topic. But I, I guess well, I do want to ask you that. Do you think that this could appeal to a mainstream audience? From what you like, If someone were to, to some. buy this game and play the first couple hours like you did, do you think like someone like that? You know, likes video games, plays more than just Call of Duty, might, they might play The Witcher. Do you think they're, they're going to get something out of this?
1: They might. They might. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have those hangups that you have with a lot of Japanese role playing games, especially when you start the game up. Right. And actually, you know, you're, you're in the action fairly quickly. It's setting you on your first quest to go beat up some monsters. Um, and for people who, do play a lot of combo games or games where there's lots of action you know this is gonna feel you know good to them i think um so it you know it definitely has potential to break out more than the last but we gotta remember final fantasy 13 really did sell a lot when it was all also oh done. yeah and uh, it was a good seller
0: and i think the, those tertiary spinoff games i think that's where i think some of the concern people are having because those didn't sell as well but I think a numbered Final Fantasy is still going to have a, a, a huge number of built-in fans. So,
1: yeah, no, no. and But but I think what's going to happen, though, is, you know, the openness early in the game, you know, according to Mike and a number of other reviewers, the game gets a little more funneled as you get towards the end of the story. Um, that's okay, though. But,
0: you know, I, can, that's I, can, I can almost appreciate that because it always feels like most open world games go the other way, where you start out. At the you know the skinny end of the funnel, and by the end you have so much stuff going on that it's overwhelming. Yeah. So I can almost yeah. appreciate that that like uh, reversing that yeah exactly reversing that design element uh, could be something that I find attractive, and it almost yeah. makes me want to boot up the game specifically. Yeah. But, to but see this what that's openness,
1: like. this openness especially early, it really seems like it's geared to the major complaints that people had with the you know, linearity of Final Fantasy Thirteen.
0: Well, that's good. I because I, I, I do even that though you know there a lot of people.
1: Even though, if you, you you know you want to be serious, you know you know Final Fantasy X was a very linear game as mm-hmm. well. And, and that was one of the better sellers. That one the last,
0: you know, out of mm-hmm. out of many of the Final Fantasy games in the last twenty years, Final Fantasy X was one of the better sellers. Yeah, but, and,
1: and then when it comes to linearity, you know the Final Fantasy series is very linear when you compare it to many other Western role playing games, without a doubt.
0: All right, but uh, let's move on. Speaking of kind of open worlds, the biggest open world uh, quotations around that, No Man's Sky. It's getting an update. It open universe, yeah. Open universe. Uh, it got an update last night. So um, I was kind of finishing up my entire holiday weekend. Um, you know, trying to get the, put away the Thanksgiving decorations, get out the Christmas decorations, that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of half paying attention to Twitter. And I see people starting to talk about No Man's Sky. I'm like, okay, what now? And it didn't really occur to me that it could be an update. I'm like, that that just wasn't in my brain like, oh, this is eventually going to happen. Um, and it could happen any day now that where the development team, Hello Games, drops an update. So now the game is at version 1.1. They are adding a, a number of elements. I guess I should run down some of them real quick. Um Basically, they're, they're putting more of a focus on creation where you can build your own base, things like that. They're also doing a, uh, three different modes. The original mode, which is you know the game that you might know and love slash hate. And then there's a survival and a creative. It's very Minecraft-like where the survival is much more difficult to uh, play as a survival game. Resources are much more limited. um You need to build a lot more tools to extract resources and to survive, you know, near your base and traveling from planet to planet has a lot more um, risk reward, it seems like. And they're doing that by limiting a lot of the stuff that you have, uh, but also giving you more of those tools. Uh, And then the creative is, you know, basically it's just a, a world where there is nothing that could kill you. You can build, create, do whatever you want, explore, no consequences. Um, there's some other things in there, but I, I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about the update uh, itself. Uh, I'm going to be trying that later. Actually, later today, I'm hoping to stream that because uh, I haven't played it yet. But I do want to, Jason, speak with you and ask, and have you kind of ask me because I know you haven't played it as much as I have, if it's too late for No Man's Sky. This is a game well, that's been plagued so, up to this point. So, what what are your thoughts up up to this point?
1: My first question is this: creative part is that something the community wanted? you know, a safe space to create and explore without worrying about being killed?
0: You know, I I do know that people wanted more creative elements. I don't know if creative mode is necessarily the thing that they were asking for. I know people wanted to, they were collecting all these resources and you collected those resources to make your ship better and make your suit better so you could collect more resources. That was the gameplay loop of No Man's Sky. And I definitely know, oh, my cat's mad at me. Um, I definitely know that people wanted creative elements so that they could take those resources and then build like a, build their own base, build their homes, express themselves instead of just getting better at exploring the universe. Because that loop, um, you, once you see through that loop and you see that this is, this is all I'm doing is just like adding more slots to my ship, that's not very fun. Uh, and you realize that and you can't get it out of your head. If you introduce this mode where you are you know, building things that can break up that, that gameplay repetition and have a, a major effect. Now I hope that that is just as present in survival mode and I can enjoy it as much there um, as opposed to creative mode. Cause creative mode for me, is it's never been a, a huge attraction. I know people love to build these huge monoliths or uh, these huge monuments and stuff like that in Minecraft, but that's never been my jam. And I don't think it's most people's. So the creative mode specifically, I don't know if that's what people were asking for.
1: That's interesting because, um, you know, of all the complaints you hear about No Man's Sky, it didn't seem like that was that to me. It just seemed like it was, you know, this huge world you could explore, this huge universe you explore, no planet the same, and then people getting upset about how the exploration carried out.
0: Yeah, uh, but I think.
1: So, so they, let's give everyone a refresher. Why were people upset?
0: So I think people were upset because the basically there was a lot of promises, a lot of talk. And this kind of leads into uh, very specifically whether or not it's too late for No Man's Sky. So for years, we've been hearing about No Man's Sky. It's got 18 quadrillion planets. People are uh, never going to be able – like, and people as in like the human race is never going to be, be able to explore every planet because we just don't have enough time before our sun burns out this was the kind of talk we were hearing about No Man's Sky before the game came out. The developers played this up. Um, you know, it was very good marketing. And they released videos that showed these planets that were bustling with life. Uh, they looked beautiful. Each each creature, which is all procedurally generated, just like all the planets, um, they looked distinct and alive. And then you cut to the final product, and everything was much more sterile, uh, much more uh, kind of... It just landed with a thud. The planets looked grim and and kind of grimy and the textures weren't very good. The animals didn't look lifelike anymore. They just looked like these put together concoctions of that neighbor Sid from Toy Story. Like he was just like slapping parts together in a really random and un, un, like just n- nonsensical way. And it was kind of like, OK, this universe that's supposed to make me think like, oh, this this endless world of imagination. Instead, it was. Like I go to another planet and I see another bouncing like Tyrannosaurus Rex with like stubby arms uh, and uh, like a goofy face and then I get to the next planet and it's like a variation on that the next planet a variation on that last one, Um, and it was like that for everything in the game like the planets the the life forms the plants the buildings like you had the same twelve buildings um, that you would visit and they were all populated by like the same like three alien races, and and so like this infinite possibility was actually much more finite and much more limited than i think we were like to believe and that like i'm sure people have seen this by now And if you haven't look it up there's this really great video where people show the 2013 or 2014 e3 trailer for this game compared to the final product and like in the 2013 trailer they play like the jurassic park theme and like do 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 and it's like welcome to jurassic park and it's like this you know, wow, like it's blows your mind, like all these things that you could see and can play with and mess around with. And then the real thing they cut to and they're like playing that harmonica. uh, They're playing the dress Park thing on the harmonica. And it's like, it looks real chintzy. It looks like really crappy. And that stark contrast, I think a lot of people had a huge problem with because they were expecting one thing. They got something much more disappointing. And, you know, I can understand getting angry about that. Now that anger was taken too far. Like it was taken to a point where the developers were getting death threats and every little thing they said, like even offhand comments were being used against them as evidence that they were lying to consumers. And there's even like a um, a, in the UK right now, one of their one of their overseeing bodies is um, investigating the developer for basically, you know, truth and advertisement fraud. Like like they're actually lying like illegally to consumers. Uh, It's being taken that seriously. And that's been the story now for months. The game's been out, came out, um, God, I don't know, in June. I think it came out in June, or July. And ever since, the story's just been, this game's not what it said, what they said it was. And the developer has not said anything since. And now this updates here. And it just feels like most people that were going to give this game a chance already did. So Were either disappointed with the game or got what they wanted out of the game. And, doesn't really feel like this is the place to go for all that was all that was originally promised so
1: so have we looked at the steam numbers since the update are people you know logging on and playing
0: it's a very good point let's check right now um i don't let me uh it's steam stats i think is what it is um
1: yeah i've definitely seen people talking about it on twitter um you know, especially a couple people who are big fans of the game getting back in and doing their thing. And it seems like they're really enjoying building and creating. Um, The question is, is it too late for No Man's Sky? Well, this goes back to so many games, you know, a game comes out, people play it for a few weeks and then move on to the next thing. Um, So the question is, is there been a dedicated group of people who have continued to be playing this? And are they playing it on a daily basis?
0: So I looked a few weeks ago, and I think we wrote a story about this. Um, mm-hmm. It was down to like less than a thousand like per day, or something like that um, during like the, a Saturday or Sunday. It got really low to the point where you could effectively say, "No, no one's playing this game anymore." Because uh, let's just uh, let's give a like a point of reference. So a top ten game on Steam, and this is you know the the Steam PC gaming service. It does it does a lot of tracking. Lets you know who's playing what. Um, there's about a hundred to hundred fifty thousand people playing any game in the top ten, um, or maybe that's the top five. Okay, so yeah, it's like fifty thousand for like Football Manager, uh, fifty thousand for Rocket League, a game that came out in 2015. Um, but for No Man's Sky, it was down below ten thousand, and then below five thousand, and then below one thousand. And this is all on Steam uh, for days of the week, and then even the weekends when when the you know player numbers spike. So no one has really been playing this game, and now the problem is uh, Hello Games um, has released this update, and they're hoping that people who are lapsed players, because that's going to be the bulk of who they want to get back playing this game, are going to install this and give it another chance. And I just, I'm thinking personally, it might be too late for any salvage of of this game. Uh, It might just be too far gone.
1: You see, I don't know if it's too far gone. I, w- I would hesitate to say that. You know, in today's era of streaming, people could show how attractive these new parts are, how much more enjoyable it makes the game. My question, though, is, you know, we're we're in the middle of the big fall crunch. All these big games are now out. You know, the last one coming is what? The Last Guardian.
0: That's right. It'll be because uh, Final Fantasy XV just came out. And then yeah, it'll
1: come out, it'll, it comes up week. this week. And then, yes, and, 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 and
0: then December for Last Guardian.
1: Yeah. So, you know, are people going to be going back to this game now if it's on sale on Steam? It might get some new people, especially with these enhancements that are coming. But, you know, for the old people who are coming back, if they feel burned, I don't see what all this new stuff's going to do. Maybe it'll make them think twice about it and come back. Um, but I do know that if I feel burned on a game, I don't come back to it.
0: Yeah. I, I think if it, anyone that was that was feeling burned and said so and has moved on to something else, I, I just don't think – I don't see them booting the game up again. Uh, like, okay, so let's give an example. It's um, currently at 6,000 players on Steam, and it's got a high today, a peak today of, of 7,000. That's not so bad. It's not so bad, but games that are ahead of it are Don't Starve Together, uh, Path of Exile, uh, Age of Empires 2, Payday 2, um Seven Days to Die. Like most of like the go to survival games, like H1Z1, uh all those games are ahead of it still.
1: And Yeah. And so but those I, are you know games that have been fostering communities for a long time with right. with regular updates. The the question is, you know, when's the next update and what will it do?
0: Well, and I and I think that kind of gets into the kind of the major point that I want to make with No Man's Sky is I understand why Hello Games didn't say anything for the last several months. You know, they got into trouble because they made too many promises. They were saying too many words. They were relying on their words. And then when they had to execute, that execution didn't live up to the billing. So now over the last several months, people are mad at them. And they're like, come out and tell us what you're working on. And they're like, no, instead, we're just going to do the work. And we'll release it when it's ready and let that speak for itself. But now, now that this is passed... And i know people were mad that they hadn't said anything for months but i understand why they didn't but now that this has come out and it's live and people are trying it no man's sky has got to figure out a communication strategy that is two-way with the people it has left or anyone that is willing to hear them out to establish that this game is going to get long-term support it will have a community that that the developers listen to and take ideas from uh, because that is how all these other games that we were mentioning ha- have worked. Terraria, H1Z1, Seven Days to Die, uh, Rust, all those games have developed in early access on Steam because they foster those communities. And that's not what No Man's Sky has done up to this point. But I think it has to going forward.
1: Uh, and let's use another example here, too. Yeah, please. Uh, take a look at Blizzard. You know, a lot of its communities have been complaining you know, especially the Hearthstone community, that they weren't getting enough communication from the developers. And then comes Overwatch. And the Overwatch team, if anything, maybe communicates more mm. than you know any game team out there. And part of that is because, well, it's a live game and you need to communicate when you have a live game going on like that. That's the lesson that we've learned the last couple of years with MMOs. And, and Overwatch is a shooter, but it's an MMO too. Yeah. And The way it survives is definitely MMO-like. Yeah, and, and Blizzard's learned through this example. Oh, okay. Well, we need to communicate more for other games. And you're seeing this with Heroes of the Storm, and especially with Hearthstone. The developers um, from Ben Bro to Yang Wu to uh, Dean Ayala on Twitter uh, for Hearthstone have been far more communicative in the last couple of months than they have been, you know, throughout most of the game's, you know, more than two year existence. And here we are coming on the verge of a new set for Hearthstone coming out on Thursday. And yeah, this is during the big push, but I'm quite sure that a month and a half after this set is out, these guys are still going to be talking and talking and talking and talking because they've learned from the Overwatch team that you need to engage your community and you need to help them figure things out. And, the you know, I want to see now if No Man's Sky wants to get this update out starts taking that attitude or not, because if they engage your players, you know what? What's one way to turn somebody who's angry at you into somebody who could be your ally? By talking to them, yeah. You have By to answer their questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and those those games you're mentioning huge successes. Overwatch huge success. Oh, yeah. Hearthstone, without a doubt, like the most successful digital card game in the market for going on like two years now. Uh, if you count yeah. like its beta period mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Um, and
1: Heroes of the Storm is hanging in there. Yeah, now, and, you know nobody could beat Dota and Le- League of Legends. Right, but and it's yet, hanging and yet,
0: heart, Yeah, Heroes of the Storm is still kind of making its own way, and it's specifically because Blazard has a built-in audience, but it's speaking to that audience and it's giving them what they want. Now, for No Man's Sky, though, it's not successful in terms of the way people feel about it, the way people uh kind of consider its place in the in the you know in the market on their shelves, whether or not they're playing it in a regular rotation. So mm-hmm. they're digging themselves out of a hole, and it just seems like, for me. No matter what this update is, almost even if they do everything right with communication, it it might still be too late for No Man's Sky. And the only long term solution is just to focus insanely on this community building. Start from scratch, build up slowly, talk to who is still there, and then kind of see if anything happens um, over over the course of the next couple next couple of months, really. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if in six months there was one one maybe two more updates, and then. And then the team just moves on to something else because it just feels like such a missed opportunity.
1: Well, you know, potentially, but there. Here's the thing, you know, if they bring a few people back and engage a new group of people, you know, then they have something that's viable and that can continue. And then they start selling DLC for it.
0: Yeah, DLC maybe. And then,
1: and then, and then there you have the way to keep the game alive.
0: Yeah, they'll have to get to that to that point uh, before they get sell DLC because that seems like a really tough proposition anytime soon uh, yeah but but we'll see you know you're right if, if there is a pathway it just seems like a very rocky road that might not be worth the investment of their time and their money that they might have to put into it
1: no but i i wish them the best and yeah, for the like, people that I, love the game i, hope I do like the game. support that they want
0: i do like the game and i'm excited to try the update and who knows i'll, I'll write something on it i'm sure Okay, Jason, uh, let's try to get through these last uh, couple of topics. I think we could probably hit these ones rather quickly. Uh, first, uh, why are big blockbuster games selling so slowly? And I think that's sort of that, that question might be a little misleading, but let's kind of jump into the news on this. Um, we've seen several reports and several analysts and even some MPD numbers uh, coming out to say some games aren't selling as quickly as. as you know, people were expecting, especially at physical retail. Um, Call of Duty, uh, I wrote a story last week. Uh, basically, it's got a softer than expected launch and it's already being discounted at retail. Things along those lines. And it's not just Call of Duty, Battlefield, Titanfall, um, all the major shooters, and Kind of watchdogs, all these games that people were coming out and like, you know, usually one or two or three of these games are going to break out and be the big sales leader. Uh, you know, they're not Grand Theft Auto, but there's usually a Call of Duty, and it doesn't seem like that's happening this year, at least when you kind of look at the numbers just on their surface. So, Jason, do you have any kind of like, you know, gut reaction thoughts on why games are selling so slowly or whether or not this is even something that we should be worried about?
1: Um, I think you should always keep an eye on sales if you're concerned about the business but you know i i would caution a few things number one you know you know even the MPD doesn't do full tracking of digital sales and we're hearing people telling us that digital is so far ahead of what they were projecting you know five ten percent even more higher um than what they were projecting five years ago when it comes to sales. So those lost sales could be made on the console um, through the stores. Um, You know, you take a look at this, the box sales for PC games, you know, those are dead. Digital's done fantastic on PC. And eventually that's gonna happen with consoles too. So until we could get a better gauge of the market, when it comes to digital sales, I don't want to be all doom and gloom yet. Second, some of these numbers are coming out of the United Kingdom. And the That's United true. Kingdom's comedy right now is skewed because of Brexit. Right. So it's very hard to take you – know, you got to take anything coming out of the United Kingdom with a grain of salt. Right. what you could know, well, do that saving- – you could compare like
0: uh, whether Titanfall is selling compared to Battlefield. Like we did that story actually a couple weeks ago where yeah. like, oh, Titanfall isn't selling as well compared to Battlefield in the UK. But what's harder to do is, is Battlefield 1 selling, you know, comparatively to Battlefield 4, or Battlefield Hardline? Because the economy in UK is very different. So uh, yeah, compared year to year.
1: Yeah. You know, and the pound has taken a beating. Right. So I want to see more numbers on the United States before we start proclaiming doom and gloom. Uh, The second thing, too, is you noticed, you know, people are saying, oh, but these multiplayer shooter communities are down this year. Well, that could be for a couple of reasons. One, they're playing, you know, there's some really good campaigns with these games. Mm -hmm. Um, Battlefield, Titanfall, and Call of Duty, people are even applauding Call of Duty's campaign. The second is Overwatch. Right. You know? So many people are invested in Overwatch and are playing Overwatch,
0: and we haven't really had that before, where there was an early shooter in the year that has continued to, you know, maintain its community at the rate that Overwatch has into the holidays. So well, it's not
1: even maintaining community; it's building.
0: Yeah, it very much. Yeah, it very well. Maybe.
1: Yeah, um, and you take a look at what Blizzard's doing already with esports for, for Overwatch, and what other groups are doing for esports for Overwatch, and. It's, it, it's a surprise when you see esports players from Call of Duty or from some of the other shooters say, hey, let's dump this, let's go play Overwatch right. instead. So I, I think it's just a lot of things all happening at once and it's too early to make any, you know, proclamations. And even if somebody does say, oh, yeah, well, you know, here, here are the sales, here are low. Okay, but is it just because people don't want these games anymore or is it because they're playing other things? You know, there's a... The piece that ran on Gamma Sutra had one good point. It's uh, good, not Gamma Sutra, game industry, industry stuff is. I that's apologize right. for that. Um, was talking about how you know you've got games like Destiny where you've got the MM model, just like with Overwatch, and people are playing it, they're playing, and they're playing and they're right. committed to that game. And so they're not playing the shooters. That's,
0: it puts the a lot others. more money in no. into the digital side than the physical, uh, than what we're used to, because people are spending yeah. on microtransactions and DLC on one game longer than they are you know more than they are buying like a second third different game
1: yeah. but it also might mean oh okay well they're, they're gonna buy battlefield and play the campaign when it's been out for a year and down to 30 bucks
0: right and so a yeah. couple things on there so the, the discounts i would uh, point out that according to a couple of analysts those discounts were pre-planned mostly by retailers and by publishers working with retail I think uh, a lot of companies wanted to get very aggressive this holiday uh, and it sounds like for the most part it's not gonna hurt like the bottom line and, and it's not necessarily a sign of panic where uh, they're like oh let's cut these you know the, the price of call of duty because it's not selling it's not selling it might be you know th- we're including Call of duty uh, infinite warfare and call of duty Mo- modern warfare remastered in the same package. Uh, let's sell as much as we can, you know, right up front in those first couple of days at the full price, and then the people that are kind of bummed that they can't get both games, who are waiting, let's give them a reason to buy right around the holidays, uh, shopping seasons, you know, kind of kick off. Uh, and I think that was kind of planned from the beginning, so it's not necessarily a sign that things
1: are are as bad uh, as they you yeah. know, might appear. Um, now, the the one the, the big loser here though is going to be GameStop. It's not going to be Activision. It's not going to be EA. It's right. It's going to be GameStop because people are coming in and trading their games to buy the new thing.
0: Now it's not necessarily though a, a, a bad thing because GameStop has done some smart stuff to transition. Uh, we'll just touch on this real quick. They've done, uh, you know, they bought ThinkGeek and they have a ton of extra like you know chachkeys in their store. So when people are saving money buying games, they're putting that money towards plastic toys and you know plushies and all kinds of other you know you know, paraphernalia related to their favorite gaming franchises. So, and those often, very often have higher margins than, you know, the traditional video game or digital, like, you know, point card. So GameStop might be still making out. Now it's, it's most recent, um, you know, uh, a financial report said that, you know, games might be selling a little bit more slowly, but we're making up for it in other areas. So it kind of backs that up. I'm sure they would be most happy if they were still making as much money from games as they always were
1: but but you know we're seeing that transition now and mm-hmm. the way that people used to be using used games as a down payment on the next great thing and at a GameStop you know that era is starting to change
0: yeah and and you know that's kind of a good sign overall for the gaming industry because it means a lot more people are buying digitally and i you know i think this is also backed up by the mpd from october um you know hardware sales were down but that's because hardware cost less than it did in 2015, uh, primarily, uh, but you know, software sales, and this is, uh, so, you know, MPD does, you know, they track physical hardware at retailers in the United States. And in recent months, they finally added digital from Xbox live PlayStation network and steam. Uh, and I think some, some Nintendo store stuff, but, uh, you know, they don't have all the digital numbers. They have some, not battle that. They don't have Battle.net, but they also don't have, like, if, if Microsoft sells a game, a first-party game on Xbox Live, they don't have that number either. So it's like first-party sales on digital, which, which you think would be the biggest. They don't have that. Now, that yeah. said, uh, and these are always Apple-to-Apple Apple comparisons from the NPD, so they're comparing the digital numbers, you know, from last year to, to this year. Uh, they were up 31% for software sales in October, and that's just console. Uh, PC was up 172% year-over-year. Year. Uh, so... Software sales are probably doing just fine if you do bring in digital. Uh, digital, we, I think a lot of people are, we're always going to assume is like throughout this generation was going to be 20% of, of what the uh, physical sales do. And it seems like it might be 25%, 30%, maybe even edging up towards you know a, a full third of all sales. And that might be where most of the difference is coming from.
1: And it might be getting bigger.
0: Yeah, and it might just... and yeah, I I mean, I buy all my games digitally, so I I know that you know I'm just one person, but I know there's a lot of people that are feeling that way. Now, I think the last point on this topic, and then we can move on, is some analysts have also said that the presidential election was the reason that people weren't buying games in early November. People were too focused on what was happening in the United States, uh, you know, between our uh, in our presidential election to focus on you know going to the store buying games, even realizing where they should be spending their money on games. And so there's just this lag in the spending that will get made up for later in November, and then in early December. And with all the sales coming, like there might be a rush on games where people are buying more units than almost ever before. And I think that almost that kind of tracks with what we were seeing on GamesBeat because we were seeing no no one wanted to read about games in early November. Like you remember those couple of weeks, right, Jason? Mm-hmm.
1: And then when the election was over, our traffic went up.
0: Yeah, exactly. People just weren't into games then. And so I think that kind of, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I think kind of going into next month, we're going to see quite a big rebound. uh, And that, you know, kind of might explain away a lot of these slow sales. So I think we're kind of going to get onto our last topic. You want to just talk about this real quick, Justin, or I'm sorry, Jason. Is it too late to get into Hearthstone or is this a good time? Thanks to the new set.
1: So this is going to be, I think, the hardest time to get into Hearthstone this year, because this will be the third set of a three-set group for this standard rotation. Standard is the format that it's using. Yeah, you already um, lost. Earlier that. sets, um, earlier sets are out. Um, okay. And then right now you have the Whispers of the Old Gods, and then you have the Last Night. You know, you know, One Night of Karazhan are the two sets that are out now. So. People who are coming into Hearthstone now or who haven't been playing for a while, say you didn't buy Whispers or any of the card packs for Whispers and you haven't bought the adventure set that was Karazhan, you know, you're know you going to find yourself playing against people who are using cards from all these in the standard format. Um, so now could be a really rough time to get into it if you haven't been playing. If you've been playing or say you, know, you got bored with um, Karazhan, uh, and you want to dip back, it's a good time to come back if you're someone who's been playing and who has been a lapsed gamer but has been staying rather current with the sets. Because Gadgetzan is got a bunch of cards that do different things that really hasn't happened in the game before. Um, the way cards buff from the table to your hand, from the way card interactions work, Priest is going to be a lot better. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, the jade golem mechanic is going to be insane. Where you know you summon a golem, and each golem you summon is going to be one stronger. So say you know you play a card and gives you a one one golem, and then you play another card, and then it gives you a two two golem, and that's going to barrel barrel as we saw play today on the um, stream that was on Play Hearthstone on Twitch. And you can probably find that archived either on Twitch or on um, YouTube. YouTube. Okay. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, I haven't been able to wrap my head around this set. So I think what I'm going to be doing is just opening up my card backs and then seeing what I cobbled together and just having a lot of ex- experimentation and probably a lot of failure, but I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me. It'll probably bother others though. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bunker set and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the top players do with it and the kind of decks that come out of it. Well,
0: let me just ask you real quick then. Um, I, I think whispers of the old guy is when I stopped getting new decks. Um, so I haven't been in since then. Do you think though that going forward that they're gonna drop like are, is is three expansions gonna be like standard for what is in standard or are they gonna yeah. drop and just be two for a while? So so if I were like to start like na- like that to me that makes it, makes it sound like now is the time when I should get back in if I want to get back in because it might always just be this difficult from now on where I have to catch up. Welcome. So if I start buying this this most latest, latest expansion, I can start building up my deck for the future. Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense. Um, So, with the next set after Gadget Sand drops, um, we'll be losing the Grand Tournament, we'll be losing League of Explorers, we'll be losing Black Rock Mountain. So, um, there'll be a lot of cards leaving the pool, and then there'll be this one first year standard sets, and then the next set that comes out in 2017, which will be the first set of the second year standard and I I know this is a little confusing Uh, but now now could be a good time or you know you might want to just wait and see but here's the other thing too if you're a good player you can always get these cards in the arena Um, you play well in the arena and you learn how to use these cards in the arena and you get free card packs Uh, well I wouldn't say free you do have to pay 150 gold to get in or pay um, about 50 but you know, that's a great way to earn cards. And if you're somebody who has dropped out of the game and wants to get back in, but you're worried about spending a lot of money on card packs, you can, you can definitely earn packs at a rather good clip. If you're a good arena player, you're at least guaranteed one pack of cards, whenever you play arena, but you know, you do well, you can buy a lot of gold, which you can use to buy packs.
0: I think, and I think that might be how I get back in. I might, I'm not going to probably pre-order 50 packs for $50, uh, Seems like I, I probably should if I was serious, but I think I might just experiment with Arena, start seeing what I do get, and then kind of take it from there. Because um, I do want to get back in, but it's also like I'm like, oh, it just seems like so much money to like, get back to a point where I'm, I'm happy with any deck that I might have.
1: It it, it can be a lot of money, uh, it, but it, you know, this is the this is the you know the the, the free to play MMO experience, right? You know, you know, with sub games, not all games. Um, Path of Exile, which is an action RPG I play online, um, all the record are cosmetic. So if you buy anything, it's, it's really just because of how you want to express yourself inside the game. Um, you're not buying anything else. Whereas other games, like, say, the Neverwinter MMO, um, buying stuff helps you get better mounts or helps you um, get more crafting material, which helps you get ahead a little quicker than other people who are playing for free. Um, Card games are expensive. And one of the nice things about Hearthstone is you have ways to earn those cards free. And it it just depends on how skilled you are and how much you want to try. Um, But considering that I play Hearthstone every day, probably two, three hours a day, uh, the money I put into it, I'm definitely getting more out of it.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think just finding that balance will be the key for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know I'll probably just gonna play an
0: Overwatch though, of course.
1: Yeah. You know, that said, I'm not every other person and I don't spend a lot on games because I play a lot of Hearthstone. That's the game I spend money on. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. All right.
0: Well I think that kinda I think that's gonna wrap it up for our topics today. Uh, Jason, is there anything else you wanna say about Hearthstone before we move on to the outro and get done with this whole mess?
1: Um other than I think that once the new set comes and once I finally get my head around it, I will be streaming the crazy decks I make and you can watch me get embarrassed.
0: All right. My cat is pounding on the door. So, you know, that's time for us to be done, of course. So he doesn't come in here and turn off my computer again. Um, so, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end. Uh, I think before we get out of here, Jason, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet?
1: Well, you can find me in two places. You can find me at GameSpeed. Um, GameSpeed.com will get you there. And you can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore Wilson, all lowercase, where I tweet about video games. I tweet about sports because I used to be a sports writer and sports mm-hmm. editor and a bunch of other silly stuff.
0: And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, so feel free to follow me there. Um, sometimes I make YouTube videos, sometimes for GameSpeed, sometimes just for my own entertainment. You can get those on YouTube.com. Forward slash Jeffrey Grubb. Uh and I think that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back next week with another new episode. And I guess I want to see thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us as well.
1: I do want to I do want to say though, if you pick up Final Fantasy 15 this week, you know, tell us on Twitter what you're thinking of it. We'd yeah, really or if, love to hear from
0: you or yeah, write in and uh, let us know your first impressions. Again, the email address, games plus podcast at venturebeat.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Jason, thank you for joining us. That was great. You're
1: welcome, Jeff. Cool. I'll talk to you later. Next time no cats.
0: No cats. New that's the new outro. That's our new like you know sign off. No cats. Games beat decides. No cats.